With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I just got off the phone earlier. We were speaking about blood cancer. Um, Every 180 seconds, someone is diagnosed with blood cancer, and African Americans are more susceptible than other ethnicities to getting blood cancer. Our guest that we had, he was actually a survivor, and he's dealing with it, and he was talking about the struggle he had and trying to get diagnosed, it took him a couple years. So if you're out there and you're dealing with different symptoms, please don't hesitate to get a second opinion, go to a different doctor, a different institution, uh, if you possibly can, and also reach out to the LLS organization. Um, their uh, website is lls.org, and they can help you connect you with a doctor, connect you with a great community, uh, connect you with the financial support. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Well, now I'm going to be speaking with, this woman is amazing. You, you have to read her book. It's called The Last Nomad. It, she shares such an intimate view of her culture, of her personal story and journey, of coming from Somalia to America, and all the things that happened in between to her. Her name is Shugri Saeed Style. I think she's on the line right now. Good morning. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. Good morning. So nice to hear your lovely, beautiful voice. Thank you for having oh, me. You know, I feel like I've had your voice in my head um, for the last <laughs> week or so, reading your book, and I was like, I want to be her friend, like, she is Aww. like she got a little spunk in her. She got some some fire going on in there. Joy, <laughs> you got some fire going on. I was looking at your beautiful and I love your lovely afro. We have the same texture of hair, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you um, do live your story. You, you live in Petaluma, right? I live in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. For some reason, you felt so close. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I live in Philadelphia, but you're on the West Coast, and I appreciate you waking up to do this call. 
Oh, no worries. Some some nights I have insomnia. Yesterday I had a long day of um, infusion. You know, I'm a nurse, so I was infusing somebody, and I had an interview earlier than that. But, you know, um, it always works out. Everybody who's, you know, I was just listening to you a little bit about the end of that, uh, what you were saying about blood cancer. So it's, you know, we have all kind of people to connect you with. And thank you for the amazing work you're doing, Joy. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you are definitely going to inspire um, a new generation of people. You know, one of the things, this is a funny little story. I was dating yes, a guy that was from Kenya. I was dating a guy from Kenya, and he was talking to me about how he didn't have to use a clock to wake up. And I was like, I have to have a clock. What is he talking about? And he would never <laughs> use a clock, and he was able to wake up. The reason I say this, because you, who grew up part of your life in the desert as a nomad, how did you wake mm-hmm. up in the morning? Oh, my God. You know, this. Uh, you, he is so right. This waking up with the clock, by the way, you just made me aware, is actually an, a Western thing, I think, right? In Africa, you just, there's a natural rhythm you, you got up with. You know, we don't have too many lights in our houses, right? So in the mm. desert, you know, you wake up the bleeding of your animals, right? Uh, in the okay. city, it, it was the rooster. Or, you know, the, some people wake up, the, the, you know, they know the morning um, uh, prayers. So, you know, your body gets into a rhythm, I notice. And even now, honestly, um, if I'm not tired, my body knows when to get up. You know, like last, this morning, mm-hmm. I was kind of afraid because I actually set up two <laughs> alarms because, I, like I said, I, had, I, I was having a little bit of insomnia, which can happen to people, and it's a good actually thing to mention. But, you know, you are absolutely right. I've never used a clock to wake up until I arrived and uh, Western culture and much later. Mm, so it's true. It is true. <laughs> it is. You know, I, he wasn't trying to impress you. He was. He, was, <laughs> <laughs> he could be. <laughs> he liked yeah, you, well, so he, he was did, like, girl, I'll wake up he for you. Like right. me. He did like me. He did impress me. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I can't tell you, you know, the story. He was like, I could provide, girl. I don't even need to use the clock, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you have an interesting story, and I was talking about the fire that you have because in your story you talk about the different challenges, but there's a lot of beauty, and some of the beauty is in the nomadic life. Can you tell the Mm. audience, um, like, what your typical day would be like if you were out with your grandmother that you talk about many times, uh, your Ayeo, is that how you say it? Ayeo, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I let me just give a quick, do you want me to give just a quick overview of the book or you, you just want yes, me to yes. talk about Yes, you, you can know, do that um, and also this, you're going to read some of it um, also, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that, that probably would give the quick, but just, you know, I want people to imagine, you know, um, a desert people are people who are nomads, who are in a, you know, they have, they live in huts that they, that are portable, everything they own must fit in a camel, you know, and, and they, every for, so often they t- take off for a new grazing land and a water source, you know, so there's a ceaseless, ceaseless end for looking for water and grazing land. And, you know, so 
this in this people we live with lions and hyenas and fox and all of those uh, wild dogs. You know, it's really the survival of the fittest. But as a child, really what I remember is soaking the oral tradition of my people. You know, everything we knew was handed down to me from generation to generation by this amazing elderless or others, you know, and I have scenes in my head, you know, of sitting by the fire as the fire crackles between me and my, you know, my grandmother or my uncles, you know, I remember some of them had, one uncle had a like scars on his face, you know, and I remember even him leaning into the fire and the hue, the orange hue on his face as he described the day he wrestled with a lion. And obviously he was Mm. sitting across from me to tell, you know, you become brave because they were brave. These were people of poets, you know. Um, we learn like stories of how to, uh, what the, uh, the, our environment was from our people because they knew, you know, don't go travel that way, there is uh, lions lay there, or don't go that way, or maybe, you know, wars that had happened in the past, you know, clans, you know, you just, yes. everything you needed was imputed to you as you sat by that fire. You know, it was really beautiful. They were singing when we were, you know, condensing milk. I remember as a child, you know, sitting by my grandmother in a rainy season. Our animals are not far from us because it is the rainy season. So the grass, you don't need to herd them farther from our area, right? And as we mm-hmm. accept the milk, we will turn them into yogurt. And one of the songs I remember as a child if my morning voice will tell, will let me. We used to say, "Hantei vihete, mafio vido kuarke, mafurkala gahatu kai na malago fandala iste." And it's singing for the Han is where the 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 vessel was using to condense the milk to turn into yogurt. And I remember hearing the squishing of the milk as the birds you know, strip in the distance, the crickets. It's just, and our animals just grazing so peacefully and contently. These are the images that are still plaster in my young adult mind still. And just the past open land of, of the nomads. You know, we, I used to climb yes. hormone miles. Obviously, even I used to be chased by warhawks and all that. It was a beautiful <laughs> time to be, to be a child, you know, despite it's I all, remember, you know, I, Sugary, I remember the story mm-hmm. you were telling in the book about uh, when you got your, um, your what was it, a goat? Uh, a goat was giving birth, um, and, and then yeah, you brought the yeah. goat to your ayayo, and you were like, look, look what I got. And she was like, okay, that's yeah. yours. <laughs> and, and then yeah. all the ones after that. Are, are yours, you know. Um, I, I thought that was such the, the wonder that you had as a child. And when you're in the city, yeah. you know, we don't see the greenery and the um, smell, the air and the earth. What we smell is smog and trash. And it, it, it's yeah. a different way of growing up, you know, no matter where you are, whether in Africa or America or South America or Asia, there's the country yeah. and then there's the city. And it's just a different, you know, way. Now, while you, your dad, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead, Jake, go ahead. I was going to say, so you were there with your Ayeo, but you did live with your dad part of your life, mm-hmm. and you talk about the struggles, but you talk about 
how forethoughtful I would say your father was with education. Can you talk to the audience about how your father differed than the regular community in educating, you know, young women? Yeah. Thank you so much, Joy. That is a beautiful question. You know, my father held a different view of the man of that time, right? This is a misogynistic culture. And that time, you know, if you want to educate somebody and put investment, whatever money you had, it was always let's give our son as it was a guarantee the boys will produce something. However, my, my father said, you know, if you educate a daughter, you educate a village. He knew that. And if you educate a son, you educate himself only. And he really held that to you and used it. And because of it, because of how what my father investment he had on us today we are better for it all my sisters get education we are a woman who are very aware of their rights you know he never even when I told my father believe it or not joy that I was marrying a man of different culture he didn't you know other man would have said what clan is he who is he who's my father was like as long as he is practicing Islam you know I'm okay with him you know he didn't ask me what race he was for him religion was important you know and it's just you know he was a complex man and one should never joy write a book to get revenge on anybody to me I want to show the complexity of the mother who, of the man who fathered me. Because to be honest, when I think of my father, despite sometimes not agreeing with his corporal punishment, nothing but kindness comes to my heart. Because, you know, he was a man of his era, and truly, truly, he tried his best. Yeah, you try to balance um, in, in the story, mm-hmm. and I agree. I think you did a good job. Your father, when I was reading about him, I didn't like him. I will tell you, I did not like him. But then mm-hmm. a little story would come out such as him making sure you got education. He actually didn't even want you to go live in the desert with your grandmother. He wanted all his kids, you know, uh, in the city mm-hmm. with him. Um, and he tried mm-hmm. to, um, later in the book, he, I don't want to give everything away, but he helped save a group of your family on the bus. I don't want to tell the oh, whole story, yeah. but let's just we say that. We were his children. You know? Yes, you know. So, so he, he, he was very powerful. He was really powerful, and I really appreciate a lot of things, Joy, even later. He didn't really push the clan mindset, which is really responsible, the division of money people. In fact, nobody bothered my father later on because he wasn't First of all, he came from the two clans that were genociding each other. He was one clan on, on his father's side and another clan on his uh, mother's side. And they really were at each other's throat trying to kill each other. But because my father really educated men from both clans, they didn't really um, kill him. You know, even one time he didn't make it to the story. They arrested him and he said, hey, I'm a man of God. I'm just, you know, passing by here. I don't believe in this thing and they kept him for 10 days and let him go he was just a scholar he was a really a brilliant man you know and uh you know you have to really um obviously you know he was a linguist my father was 
a teacher of English and Arabic, and, you know, I just have to look at it and have compassion. I noticed, Joy, you know, people who have the hardest time with him and couldn't forgive him really struggle uh, a lot, really. And I think uh, forgiveness is for you, not for anybody else. At the end of the day, you are setting yourself free. Now, you mentioned several times about clans. And in the story, mm-hmm. it is like currency. It is so, so important about knowing your clan. Can you talk about that and how you were educated um, in knowing your clan from your mother and your father's side? Yeah, you know, Somalia is a clan system, and you are your father's clan. Um, it's a pertinilian. I can never say that word, so don't get me saying <laughs> oh, oh my God! I'm Patrilineal. gonna say something that I'm not hearing. Girl, we're not going there today. But anyways, okay. you are your father. <laughs> I was gonna say something else because I'm a nurse, so my mouth is gonna go other. Earth. And anyways, so it, uh paternal, I think paternal. Um, but anyways, you are your father's clan. But and so from early on, we really children memorize such a long lineage of their clan system from early on. You see a young girl reciting her clan so proudly from like 30 generations down, you know. And they, you know, little girls are such a, they speak so wisely, you know, with their noses flaring, you know, I'm like, and their hand on their hip, you know, like, I'm this and I'm this and I belong to this and you know, and it was so fascinating you know to how we are we learn you know this but you know when the war happened you were taught your father's clan your grandmother's clan your your mom's clan because in case another clan catches you who don't who don't share a father clan with you you need to talk your way way out by speaking a little Mm. bit of uh that person's clan. I know one time my sister, when she went back to Mogadishu to save her dying daughter, um, where the bullets were happening, she literally went back and talked about mothers, right? Mothers are such a fierce yeah. warriors. And she head back to the war area we just ran away from because her daughter was dying of diarrhea. And she, you know, a man said to her, you know, uh, what clan are you? And she just gave him the, the clan uh, uh, that he was. And he was like, did they tell you we raped women, pregnant women? Like, he was indignant, you know. But mm. I don't know if he believed her fully. But nevertheless, he was not sure enough to, uh, to you know, do whatever. And, you know, women were being yeah. probably raped or other things were happening. We uh, are collateral damage. But, yeah, you really need to know. And, you know, clans can be used in a positive thing. I know the other day on Facebook I saw a woman, Joy, who they were saying she was wandering around and I guess she was having some mental health and this man married her. Obviously, after she had kids for him, she ended up having some maybe postpartum psychotic psychosis. Whatever the case was, Mm -hmm. this man was mentioning this woman's clan and saying she's not feeling well. Her, this is her full name. This is her subclan, and I recognize the subclan to be my grandmother's subclan and my mother's wow. subclan, which wow. I mentioned in the book. You know what I mean? I quickly tagged my sisters. I said, "Let's help her share with the relatives. Maybe someone knows her." And I was actually going to go back and see if I can send her some money or if if they had resolved. So we, there, there's a positiveness to it, but it's also um, you can use it to hurt people too. So yeah. 
Yeah, that's the war that was going on, you know, in Somalia. Like you said, people were hurting each other because they were from, you know, different clans and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's a positive. Your sister, you have a lot of powerful women in your life. You had your grandmother, your sister, Abshira. She was like superwoman. I mean, I was like, where is she going? She's going back where? Oh, my God. I was like praying for her, reading the book, you know. Your mom, she used to throw stones at your dad. I mean, you had a lot of strong women uh, examples. But unfortunately, we do have to bring up this issue of the state of women in Somalia. Yesterday and Mm. today, it was not Mm. good. And this issue of FGM, you know, um, you, you talk about female genital mutilation, that happened to I guess ninety percent of the women in Somalia, and mm-hmm. if you didn't have it, you were you were bad. Talk to me. You I remember um, you were telling one story about when a woman got divorced, she got sewn up again. Talk to us about that and the importance. Why was that so important? You know, it was so interesting to me, Joy, for me to have. So let me say, Somali women are the most resilient women, you know, greatness. The, the, their fabric of their being is just, uh, these women are a hardcore, you know. <laughs> I mean, when these rappers mm-hmm. talk about, are you a hardcore? I'm thinking, these women are really hardcore. And Somali women, unlike Arab women, is actually divorced their man if they didn't like it and remarried over and over. So they're not the kind of women, despite the discrimination, they don't put up with shit. They fight like the African American woman. They are fierce women. But having to say that, there are something that entrenched in the cultures, and that is where their demise comes from, right? And they become mm-hmm. the ones who carry out this uh, uh, tradition. And one must understand, Joy. When I write this, when I wrote this book, I want people to just get it inside this world, right? So right. what I really lay out for you was. What are the thinking that get these people going? So in the desert, when the clans were at war, to form allegiance, they have to give each other virgin daughters. Those daughters better be not only virgin, but sealed in the night of their um, uh, consummation, you call it. And so if they are Mm -hmm. not, they they give back and say, you insulted us, and you bring shame not only to you, but to uh, um, to the man of your family. You know, um, so what it is, this woman, I remember, I think even within the FGM, I see some women. uh, This story, actually, a woman who, when I was visiting my sister, Sophia, who's paralyzed in Switzerland, uh, was, we were having conversation. uh, uh, I was having a conversation with my sister's friend, and she's the one who brought uh, uh, this woman from the north who wants to, when she deported her husband, um, closed herself up, the idea of making herself look like virgin. Now, that is really a drastic case of a woman who gone a little too far, you know. But mm. uh, but do you see, like, she wants to give the man, I am still, what, the man are tricked by this stupid thing that if she's sealed, she's almost like she's virgin, right? But if you remember... Right. 
when they circumcise women, they only not cut the clitoris. And I'm sorry we have to say this into, on TV, but I'm a nurse, so sometimes it's okay. the clitoris okay. help. Uh, and it's an anatomy of a body. And they will saw it back and um, and leave a little hole for peace to come out. And you remember one of the things that really to this day I struggle was uh, – to me is even if I hear the sound of my feet, it still feels shame because I that was not something if you are sealed the proper way, no one should be able to hear you being. And it is such an ingrained thing that I have to even this liberal progressive woman still have to overcome. But it was just so strange even for me to hear that woman's story. That is not the um that norm you know we are a culture who practice that and I really wanted to write a book is that there's a lot of stories in the Somali woman, a book that really talk about now that we are not circumcising some of our Western daughters, what are the Somali women using or men using as a weapon to control their daughters? You know, I'm not agreeing with mm-hmm. them, but I'm thinking that venue is not open for you. It's a sick world and we must leave behind. And that's the reason, Joy, that I literally show you everything, me being circumcised, me being curious about sex, me getting married and unshackling myself from that and freeing my daughter. You share, you know, there's a beauty. You share so much of yourself. Yeah, you share so yeah. much of yourself, and I and I just want to say thank you because that's a brave thing to do, especially coming from the society that you did come from, where people and women in particular do not share certain stories with anybody because oh. then the shame will come to them or their families. But let's talk about some some funny things that happened. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You, you had to you had to you had to tame a camel. You, you had to take a camel <laughs> with the water. From, from in the middle of the night, talk about this camel and how the camel would move. Oh, my God. You know, I think that is one of my absolutely favorite story. you know, and I'm glad I told that story. You know, this is, I went back, this is story happened when the Somali war is happening and we are with our father and we are in his city, Gautayo, and all of a sudden the city Everybody abandoned us. The city went into war. Two clans went into war. And my father realized, here you have in your hand this young girl. They're going to get raped. So he took us to his brother's nomadic world. And I find myself as a teenager and nomad again this time. And so this day, I remember we were heading to the well. You know, as you know, we are in ceaseless end for water. So uh, so we took Dan. Dan is an act of getting, fetching water from the well using camel. So this camel were ca- carrying huge tanks of water to um to the well and it was an empty one and as we travel I remember my uncle and I, I, I was um, with my cousin and they were talking about how this camel had been bitten by a, <laughs> by a hyena and he is really <laughs> a wild one if, you know I'm like okay I mean you can tell me this story but really I can listen and I'm curious and I'm one who's brought in them asking them all this question who lives this place oh that's the place of the lion who lives that where the hyenas lay oh, you know all of this I'm just curious about land I'm all always like that. If I meet a person, I ask millions of questions. Humans fascinated me, life fascinated me. But I'm not thinking that I'm going to end up leading this camel back home in the thick of the mm-hmm. night. They so set said, you okay, up. They I, set you up. 
They, they set me up real good, Joy. So I was like, we get to the well, and as you see, we're taking us, washing ourselves out in front of everybody. And my sibling are with me, my brother, Gulag, Rusty, his soul, who's younger than me, and my sister, Arafa, who is older than me. And, you know, we get the water, and all of a sudden, my uncle say, who's taking the camel back to home? And I'm thinking, you know, that surely he's not talking to us, you know, and, and, and I remember my, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe my cousin who knew the land will come with us. This is really a deadly uh, risk I'm taking. But when he yeah. said, my sister and brother literally joy separate from me as far as they could, you know. And so I'm looking like, and then my uncle is, I, I need, you know, he's using his blessing, who needs a blessing. I'm like, okay, that blessing. And so I said, okay, I will. I volunteer. And, oh, joy, that was the craziest. Oh I remember God. leading that camel back and knowing I'm heading where the lion is and hyena is filled, uh, are filled with. And I also know that that night is going to fall because, as you remember, my uncle said, when I asked him, well, how, where is home? And he said, head this direction, and you will see a fire lit in the distance, and you follow. Meaning they know the night is going to swallow me, you know. No one is thinking that this 15-year-old girl or 16-year-old is going to be eaten by a lion. You know, I'm not of, mm-hmm. of this land. It's been a while since I was in the desert. But I was always like that. I put on this brave front, and I... Look at this camel, I go, you know, I start singing to him, and he's looking at me with his long eyelashes, like uh, with his big black eyes. I know, I hope you know what you're doing, girl. And I kept at it, Joy. I just leading him, and obviously the night was upon me, and he heard the, the sound of the, the hyenas, and he was ready to bolt and destroy everything. And you can see me thinking, uh, should, calculating myself, should I go on top of the camel and we run wild together? Should I leave? What should I do? And I'm saying, if I go run on top of him and then he breaks, you know, if I fall from him and I break, all of the animals will come out of the woodwork when they, they smell my blood, you know. These animals have strong sense. And in the end, you know, he did the impossible. My uncle had told me that if he sits down, he will destroy the hand, which is the water-carrying fossil. He will destroy everything. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You went out a little bit. Can you yeah. hear me? Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, I yeah, mean, if he where, sat where down, was he was going to break the water. He was going to break the water yeah, if he, he sat down gonna... onto the container. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to destroy everything, Joy. There was no question. And I have to prevent from that. You know, so I am, like, determined to do that. For whatever reason, I'm like, I don't want this to come. You know, I know I'm going to die, but I don't want him to destroy that, you know. So in the end, I see he sat down, and he was leaning from side to side. That is to get rid of all of this think he's carrying and I'm like hell no you know and I'm desperate trying to think what to do and you know what I took a stick and I put it in his ear and he goes and and he's almost wanted to bolt out and I'm like two big sticks and I raised it on his ear and he bolted out and I'm like let's go Jesus and in I the middle of the night this woman in, in the, the middle of the night is, is in the desert alone not a woman that is like unheard of Hyenas, yeah, and, hyenas. And, and coming after her, 
she gets the camel yeah. and sticks something in yeah. his ear to get him to, to stand <laughs> up. Nobody could do this. They, I don't think they thought you were going to make it to the next village. I really think they, I, they honestly, thought, like, she's I not going to make think, it. I am telling you, my uncle, he started laughing in between me telling the story. He was. Just, I still have this beautiful image of him really laughing with his whole body, you know. It's just, you mm. did what? I go, yes, when he wouldn't get up, I put sticks in his ear. And somehow that agitated him. I don't know how I come up with that, Joy. But I, I have to, like, there was lions and hyenas waiting to eat both of us. And I'm like, we need to get out of here. And you are not. You got to get out of there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, there's another funny story. This this woman is a trickster. Uh, she's, she's a funny trickster. You were playing tricks. Um, uh, on a particular, well, she was a bad girl at an orphanage you were in. You want to talk about the trick you played um, uh, on, what was her name? Oh, God. She, she was, was hitting everybody Shabad? on a certain Thursday and Friday. Uh, was that Shabad? Uh, you're talking about the one yes, where, the Shabad, where yep. I had to put the, yeah, the, the Shabad okay. story. Shabad was a well-known bully in the orphanage where I lived mm. and when I come up, you know, she used to hit us every, like, uh, I think Friday. But every Thursday week. She would you announce. said every Thursday, Friday, she was hitting you. I was like, what the Yeah, hell? yeah, what but she would announce ahead. Uh, she would announce ahead a hitting day, and I remember my stomach just turning into nuts, right? And and but what really bothered me was my younger sister and how she she screamed and so I'm go I was like I'm gonna overthrow this woman. She reigned with such an iron fist, but I was like this is, she's gonna come down. So I remember we sat taking typing class um, outside of the boarding school and you know but with a bunch of girls and I'm like girls we gotta overthrow them and I remember rallying them. I'm like what are we gonna do to incite a riot, you know? And you know in the end what I could think of is let's put a shit in her bed in her mattress. <laughs> <laughs> And I took her shoes and like all of it, like just laid all around it, you know, spread it all around. And she was, oh she my God, done, you know, obviously, you know, she made the mistake of that day instead of torturing us one by one, she called the, the, the main security guard and she, you know, I mean, I get in trouble, but really I, I ended her reign and I said, you know what, she's going to kill me. So he, uh, for the rest of my time in that boarding school, a woman had to sleep with us every night, a, a woman who was a military woman, to keep us all safe because I'm like, <laughs> she's going to kill us. She, so I used to plan for my life. I said, listen, I commit the, 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 the sin of the century. She is, is going to come for me. For me, I yes. wanted to sleep at night peacefully. And, and I mean, I, you know, I care about my sleep. And I'm like, I didn't want to, like, be protect every night awake trying to say Sabat is going to come down punching me. But I did a lot of, <laughs> you know, things like, <laughs> you know, you know, you what? know should, what, Joy? Should we... Yes, yes, go ahead. 
I said, this was the survival of the fittest. You know, I was already, every time someone, you know, you will get into fights. I even get into a fight with a deaf guy because, you know, you don't know who wants to beat you up. And, you know, and you just have to really survive. And we form deep friendships. And But you have to kind of point it out who is a friend and a foe, you know. Now, you're going to read some of your story? Can you read some? Because uh, we're running out of yeah, time a little bit, I, but I want I, you to read I, some. Yeah, I can read a little bit from the uh, the the prologue. Is that okay? Or the first chapter? Which yes. one do you want me to read? Prologue. No, you okay. can read okay. the, the prologue. The, the prologue is fine. The prologue. I am the last nomad. How can I be the last one? Nomad still exists in that faraway desert where I grew up. So how can I make a, such a bold statement? What I'm really trying to say is I am the last person in my direct line to have one sleep like that, like that. And now I feel like the soul keeper of my family story. As I sit here in my home in California, weaving my tail for you, the weight of that responsibility urged me on. All my ancestors on both sides of my family were nomads. They traveled the East African desert in search of great new land for their livestock and the most precious resource of all, water. When they exhausted the land and the clouds disappeared from the horizon, their accumulated ancestral knowledge told them where to move next to find greener pastures. They loaded their hats and belongings into the most obedient camels and herded their livestock to a new home. My nomadic family was at the mercy of the weather. At the end of July, at um, the long dry season, when the clouds finally rumble with rain, we look up the sky with renewed home. As the desert quenched its thirst, the rare earth crackled back to life. Responsibilities ease, and adults welcome the rain with drums, singing, and dancing. Children get fat and health sitting around the fire. At night, they soak in the folktales and poems passed down generation, danced down from generation to generation. But, but despite the renewed abundance, of food, we knew we had to preserve some of the dry season to follow. Sometimes drought hit harder than usual, killing both livestock and people. Bones and twigs litter the train where goats and sheep once happily grazed. In those times, my ancestors ceased singing under the moon, their drums harder, and they longed for good news. Children no longer heard stories by the fire, and an old poet will bellow to the desert poison his agony. I will speak of a dying and speak of a he would speak of a dying land, taking his precious camel. His mournful palm will travel through time and across borders to remedy the pain of his people for years Fornia know nothing uh, of the nomadic life except for the stories I have shared. As I sit here now in my comfortable suburban home, listening to my teenage son excitedly tell me about his favorite YouTuber, I'm reminded acutely of the void between my past and present. I speak of a world which he has little understanding. An old African proverb, old, old African proverb says, when an older dies, a library is burned. I'm not yet an older, but I do feel like a portal between two worlds. I am the last person in my immediate family who holds this particular library of knowledge. As years pass, the sense of urgency I feel about sharing my experience with my children and the world grows. In my imagination, I have shared my story with each of you many times as we gather under a clear black sky. It's shining 
stars guiding my ancestral wisdom. I am imagining you leaning into me as if I had brought the news of water after a drought. I have poured out more tea, for I knew it was going to be a long night under the luminous moon. I want to get this tale of mine right. The fire between us has crackled with excitement, as if to notch my story alone. But now it's no longer enough for me to just imagine telling you my story. I feel the need to bring you all by the fire and into my world. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I want to thank you for sharing so much of your story with us. I'm going to be giving away some copies of your book to the listeners. Oh. So um, oh. I, I, I thank you, you know, again. It's such a beautiful story. Thank you, Joy. You know, I wanted to say, you know, I honestly wanted to tell all African-Americans to visit Africa. I want to personally go to Senegal. You know, I went to Ethiopia, but I really want to go to Senegal. There is so much beauty that exists in Africa. And don't, we are not the stories that sometimes Western spin is starting people who are compassless. In fact, the true compass yeah. exists in Africa. And it has... Africa has a way of grounding you. And if you want to feel birth again and feel your ancestral again, go home. And reading this book will certainly connect you to that root and way of life of your people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that it has the both views. You have the city view. You have the um, nomadic life. And I think that's important for young people to see Mm -hmm. that there's not just one Africa, you know, there are many parts yeah. of Africa, many places to Africa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. right now with the COVID, it's such a crazy time for people to try mm-hmm. to travel. Um, some people are, some people are afraid to, but hopefully we'll mm-hmm. be able to in the future, you know, yeah. travel without worrying about the COVID so much. I mean, you're a nurse, mm-hmm. you know, real quick, mm-hmm. how are you dealing with this COVID as a nurse? Honestly, it's been so crazy uh, and, um, you know, joy. When I first, when it first started, I I was really, it felt like I was dressed up for landing of the moon, you know, and I'm an infusion nurse, so I have to be able to a little bit flexible to start an IV. And it was such a scary time, really. And, but, you know, thank God, uh, most of my patients are vaccinated. I am vaccinated. And I had worked so hard, Joy, that I almost died this year. I got sick. I was working mm. 14 hours. Yeah, I almost wow. really died just from a sheer exhaustion of just trying to. Patients were so happy that they could get a hospital care at home. And, you know, it was like really, And but I exhausted my body and I ended up blowing up my gallbladder and then going to surgery Whoa. while I'm very weak. And uh. I've lost literally 20 pounds. And I'm a thin mm, person. Mm, I don't mm. weigh. I am less than 100 pounds. Yeah, so she's I a was little really dying. <laughs> I am yeah. the smallest person you will ever meet but I am really I am so I tell people please all of you we need to you know get our vaccination I often tell joy people when if somebody ever tells you like somebody uh, you have an AIDS and somebody tells you don't take the AIDS medication or HIV medication would you listen no, you would go yeah. and get your you know, whatever you need to, to cure and get your facts straight. You know, Nancy Mundella said, what did he say? Education is a, a weapon, which is, again, something he said. I'm not quoting him right, but 
it's it's an essential. It's against weapon against a lot of things. So it is a if you get education and you get your practice right, you are honestly your life starts right. And to me, I I feel still because a lot of people hadn't had their vaccination now, haven't get it. It's like really we are still in danger. You know, we are risking our life and it's exhausting. And so I will. My last, I'll tell people, please do get, you know, I vaccinate my whole family is vaccinated, including mm-hmm. my 14-year-old daughter. So obviously, if yeah. I didn't believe, I wouldn't give it to my family. I don't know how the people are in Philadelphia, but um, I said, you know, African-Americans are dying. We Africans are dying in such a great big proportions, and we lost so many of our wisdoms. You know, whenever you lose an elderly, you lose the library is burned. It's fact. So as losing yeah, our that's in your story. You put mother, that in your story. Yeah. The stories are going to mm-hmm, die mm-hmm. with them, and you don't want to take that risk. And, yeah, some people can take that risk, but African-American community or African community, uh, we cannot we take can't that afford risk. This. This no, you cannot we cannot afford, afford that. that. Yeah. Mm-mm, and, mm-mm. and the last thing I that I really want to tell, yeah, and the last thing I really want to say, Joy, is for me it is an honor if this book really ends up in schools. You know, as far as I yes. want these students, either Howard University, all of this, uh, you know, Philadelphia is a big African American community. You know, I want you guys. Yeah, I that want would be great. Book to go. It would be wonderful yeah, because the curriculum oh that you could put around this, you could you could even make a yeah. smaller story for younger kids. Like I could see a yeah, picture we are, book. We are working on with, it. Yeah. Younger oh, yeah. see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. You are. Mm-hmm. On it. Yeah. I see that. Uh, I see that. So, well, thank you so much, Shugri. Thank you very much for, for coming on Joy, today. I, I was a pleasure, amazing. pleasure speaking with you. <laughs> I, I don't know how you hear. I don't know how you hear about me, Joy, but I am so glad you come, you become part of my village. And thank you for spreading my book. Really, it means a lot to me. You're welcome. You're welcome. You have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, bless you, your family, and everybody, your whole clan. Let me say that. <laughs> Let's say that. The whole clan, the whole Somali clan. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Thank you so much, Joy. Have a Thank you. Okay. Saturday. Okay. You Bye. too. Talk to you later. Be safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Just got off the phone with author and nurse. Shugri Saeed Sal, we're talking about her book, The Last Nomad. I'm going to be giving away some copies, so you want to follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to give away a copy, so remember, you got to follow. You can check the show out on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Whatever vaccine you think you can get to, it will definitely save you, your family, and the larger community. And this is a disease that is not just in America. It is all over the globe. People are fighting all over the globe. There is no fakeness about it. It's all over the globe. And we need to take care of yourself first then your community, your family, it will help the larger globe. Again, I thank you for listening to the show. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time, as in 
Spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 